0: Hello.
2: Hi. Hi, Emma.
1: Hi. How are you? It's DeAndre.
2: How
3: are you?
1: (laughs) I'm doing well. Great to hear your voice.
3: I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you made it back safely.
1: Yes. I did. How was your trip? It was really amazing. Just, Just great, you know. Just really, things are really... Moving forward and and um, yeah, just does I just love love being there so much.
2: Yeah. Um. Hello. Yeah. Hi. 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 Ashley. Yeah. Hi. Hi, how is everyone? Good. Good. Did you get email last um,
3: month? No. My did you send it to me or to Ashley? <laughs> no, to you, Emma, because I missed the call.
2: Huh. I don't know if I ever got that.
3: Because I was like, well, she never replied, and then oh, probably, no, like right month. after that, you went to you went to no. Uganda. So I was like, well, maybe she just didn't get it. No. Last month we canceled the call
1: and we sent out um the expert affiliate interview with Kathy Valley and myself. Um because I did I not get have... that. You did not get that. That's okay. No. And I did you... and it's so did you... funny
3: because I'm I'm in Idaho right now and I missed the call last month because I was like, oh, I have to call in at seven forty five and then I was like, they're on the east coast. <laughs> seven forty five here is not seven forty five there. So I thought I missed it. I'm glad I didn't.
1: Yeah. So
2: um,
1: a very, very dear friend of mine passed away, and I had just received that news only a few hours before the call, and I just was in no condition to talk. Oh, and, wow. um, and so I called Gina and asked her to post about sending, uh, you know, other video for you guys to watch for this month. And, and so we, we put it in instead of on the call. So what I'll do is. I'm so is, sorry about that. Yeah, me too. Um, it's very shocking. Um, what I'll do is email you the video so you have it. Okay.
2: Thank um, you are, so much. Do
1: you are you active on our Facebook page? Have you been checking there because um, we posted it there? Just so you know, just in case, like if you're never, you know, if you're not sure about something, with the group check there too. Because um, we post we post any news there as well. Okay. So you know, yeah, you're on you you're there, right? You're part of it.
3: Yes, I'm on the Facebook page. I,
1: okay.
3: I really I'm not great at checking Facebook.
1: Yeah, I know it's hard. If somebody's like, some people are really on it, or if like notifications come right up on their phone, so right. they'll um you know they'll catch it. But if you're not, then yeah. It's um. You may miss some some things, so
2: I'll be sure to send it to you. Mm-mm. Anyone else on with us? Hi, it's Ursula.
1: Hey,
3: how are you? Hi. 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 I'm good. good. Out uh out out enjoying spring break. So if my
1: reception gets spotty, I get hardly any here. Yeah. I know. We're on spring break, too. We're down in New Jersey right now. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, it's nice out. Is it nice in New York right now? Was it nice today? The city was, like, 66 today, but I'm on Long Island, 55, and I, like, totally couldn't complain. It turned over my whole garden. It was epic. Oh, great. Yeah. Um... I'm like I'm on fire now. I can't wait to get into it. I just finished watching the whole um, Kathy Valley call. Oh good. Um, she was speaking to my soul. I went to this birth. It was oh my God. Oh rough, wonderful. Rough stuff. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, we'll 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 definitely talk about that tonight and connect it to the topic tonight. Um, I'm gonna wait for a couple more people to get on. I know I got one email. Someone has is with a a potential client or a client right now, and and then I know Liz had um mouth, you know, had some surgery on her teeth on her mouth. So oh, oh my goodness. I know. I think she said she'd call in to listen though. Hello, anybody there? I see someone just joined. Yeah. Hi, Kelly. Hi Kelly. Hi, Kelly. How are you?
0: I'm good, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Yeah. Um so
0: was everyone else able to watch the video, the interview? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, we'll just I'll just wait a couple more minutes and see. I almost couldn't finish the video,
1: like it wouldn't load, so I was stuck. I saw her birth story and then like three times, but mm. I mean, it's so funny. She reminds me so strongly of a good friend of mine, mm. um. So I really like. I, I heard her on the
2: activism front for sure. Mhm.
1: Yeah, she. Um, I guess you know I don't maybe like maybe I over a year ago, maybe two years ago, I had been following her online and we had lots of mutual friends and then um, I reached out to her to kind of just talk more directly and um, it's been really, you know, it's it's great. It's great. I think it's really important to have her voice just included in our curriculum and also just for people to be aware of, of, you know, the work she's doing and she also... um, it, she really includes a lot of reproductive justice rights as well, more than just birth. So if you go to her page, you'll see a lot more about that. and kind of I'm on her
3: Facebook, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. awesome, yeah. Yeah. And then we started doing an interview specifically about activism in the birth room. So we did the first one, and we're talking tomorrow to set up our second one. Hopefully it'll be next week, and then we'll do a third series to it and that's really kind of more like tools for doulas that we'll talk about so um, yeah there's always more, more to learn you know and figure out and just think together I mean I think that's part of the the beauty and the, the benefit of having our group too it's the thinking together and like discovering and having a chance to really hear each other's opinions and, and you know think about something that we're part of that is propelling a movement forward rather than just us reflecting on ideas of something we're seeing that we're not involved in, Like, actually our voices are active agents within it. And so how do we really insert them, you know, and, and how do we organize around that as well? So we'll talk more about it tonight, I think, because... Um. Just the idea that doulas are advocates is is a new or it can bring up controversy in our field, Like that alone is a trigger for so many people. I have um, seen that controversy, <laughs> right? So you know, the article that we wrote about the Times, the article that um, you know that uh, Megan from New York City, you know, wrote about it. Like that whole that whole piece, <laughs> those couple of days, you know, sparked so much controversy around this around our role and um you know the more i reflect upon it really for me at this point in the birth climate that we're living in in the reality of what doulas are practicing in i truly feel that to to not think of doulas as advocates is a disservice to women and also isn't isn't really isn't really um I want to say it, is a misunderstanding of what the word actually means. So, um, and I think that has a lot to do with how we've been taught to believe our role to be. How our role has been defined, really, you know, starting back from, from a few decades ago when doulas became part of maternity care. Um, and somehow the word advocate is synonymous with fighting and, you know, lack of tact or uh,
2: stepping outside
1: of our role and our definition. But I want to read to you guys what the, role, the, the definition is of advocate. Um, so the definition of an advocate is just a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. So if we're starting with that as our basis... You know, we could say our cause or our policy as doulas is respectful care, dignified, respectful care for women and families and for, you know, for babies, that everyone involved in birth, including the whole team, everyone, we should, from a foundation, you know, foundational point of view, just be working with that as as the premise that all women deserve respect, regardless of anything. And so I think often when we're talking about doulas as advocates, it becomes, there's just a great misunderstanding of what it is to be an advocate. Um, And that somehow, as doulas, again, I think all like that, we are speaking on behalf rather than speaking alongside of um, our our clients. Um, And so for us, you know, with, with, as DTI and as mentors and trainers and, and just people that in, in my own practice, I feel I've never spoken on behalf of a woman. I have only stood by someone's side and helped navigate a situation either that felt overwhelming or she may have felt manipulated, but directly gave her the chance to be able to voice what she was feeling. And also use my own voice to voice what 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 was needed in the moment. And I was not afraid I haven't been afraid to do that because it was coming from respect and compassion and professional, you know, viewpoint on what it is to honor a woman's choice and voice. So it's never it's never I've never gotten into some a fight or sort of like whatever that upheaval was. From some of the responses That's never been the way it's played out for me In my own practice It's only been positive You know, so I think it's so interesting That advocacy somehow has been connected With fighting and some sort of negative uh, connotation I don't know What do you guys think?
3: I've heard other people saying things like that But I haven't experienced that myself So I don't know Mm-hmm. Like I've, I don't. I've never gone into a birth or a doctor's appointment where I was met with resistance or mm-hmm. I felt what I felt was like animosity or disdain for what I was there for. But yeah. I believe it's a lot about the energy that you give off when you come into the space too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely a big part of it for sure the trouble with advocacy is like where are you physically
1: uh, this birth was like two weeks ago at NYU it was half the time I was trying to like help her stress out what was going on but I was with like, DS and on the phone and she's having separate conversations with her doctor That the time we were all in the same room like that that ship sailed she was induced and we were doing that and mm-hmm it was really hard to see because I just felt like if I had the right information, like the right evidence-based information to provide for her, that mm-hmm. she would, you know, advocate for herself, but uh, that wasn't possible. Like that didn't, didn't end up being the case, and I felt
3: really powerless.
2: hmm
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what happened then? You, had to, you, left, you stepped out or you had to leave, or, and then decisions were made and you came back to a new scenario?
2: She had a high
1: leak, and she was struggling. Uh-huh. for, she called me on Monday, and I said, oh, you know, in a home birth setting you could have five days for a decision, but your doctor will tell you to come in if you call her. So she called her doctor on Wednesday, and she was bullied into checking, you know, into admitting that she thought she was going on And it was wild and rough. And honestly, I think that doctor felt like she gave her the slowest route to getting that baby out. Like she gave her an epidural after two hours of pushing just so she could try again. That doctor felt like she did everything she could to get that baby out vaginally. And my client felt so unsupported by the doctor. And even by me, like she had to turn it somewhere. And it was really hard to get through. My my team my team was saying you know she got she got a shit sandwich because that high leak wasn't wasn't going to resolve itself.
2: Hey,
1: hi guys, sorry my call just totally dropped. I don't know why, so I missed part of what you just said. I just heard you say she had a high leak and then it it cut off. I know. Um, it's okay. I don't. I can. I don't have to go through it again. I. Ultimately, she wasn't able to advocate for herself mm-hmm. because she mm-hmm. was being told there was a sense of urgency that there was no emergent care that resulted from the sense of urgency. Like mm-hmm. it took a very long time. The baby. The baby was born like 15 hours later. So okay. after a long dose induction.
2: And and I, was,
1: and I was pretty powerless to help support her. She was just, you know, there was nothing. Uh, advocacy, when you have, like, natural hormones flowing, like, I can see flipping that script and using language and all the tools that we've been taught, but I felt really powerless to help her because she was either in debilitating pain or she wasn't. And mm-hmm. if she wasn't, she was, like, normal. You know the the hormones, the only hormones in that birth were when the baby came out and the dad out crying. Mm-hmm. So, so how how did she feel when I mean, you felt proud? But how did she feel about those choices? She birthright? hated
0: it. She hated mm-hmm. the
1: doctor for she felt like you know I don't know what she felt towards the doctor, but it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. even though the doctor did allow her two hours of pushing and then an epidural to get some more sleep before pushing again. But ultimately, she was successful. And when she was angry at me, like any coping mechanisms I was trying to provide for her. She was just like, get away from me, you know? Mm-hmm. Because she just felt really gypped and cheated of like, she had no expectations of a natural birth. But in terms of advocacy, I had a really hard time. But the most successful things I did for her would get her to acupuncture before the induction. And correct her latch at the postpartum business.
2: mhm, yeah
1: it's so it's like you know where it's not even the system that's abusive, it's like the mom like not having faith in her own ability to advocate that's That's really where my questions are right now, mm. yeah, that can happen. I mean, I feel like there are definitely times where you are you recognize either um, someone's not advocating for themselves or they're feeling overwhelmed in that process and they just, you see it and it's hard to reach them or it's hard to reach the partner. Um, you know, I try sometimes to say the things that I think I won't regret, like looking back on it later. And it may right. be that. Right now, it seems like you're not able to advocate for yourself. I don't want you to look back on this birth experience and regret that you felt you didn't say things you needed to say, you know? So what do you need to say what you need to say right now? Maybe you don't know. Like, maybe your partner can help you with that. You know, maybe it's about stepping out so they can have that conversation. But often I try to just reflect back what I'm seeing and as clearly as I can, if I'm really feeling something or I feel like this doesn't just feel powerless right now in this moment, I may say that to someone. You know, it feels like no one really has power in this situation, and I want you to feel like you're able to make choices in an informed way. What do you need to do to feel that way right now? You know, you seem annoyed with me. You seem maybe disappointed in me. I want you to know I'm not taking any of this personally. I just want you to feel like you're making conscious choices, if that's important to you right now. And just kind of like give back what you're seeing. Sometimes let people then break out of something or at least recognize, okay, what I'm feeling she's also seeing. And, you know, um, or even if you're just in a really hard moment with someone just to say that. It's really hard right now to figure out what the best thing is to do. But you have support right now. We have some time to talk through this, you know. And just try and, it's almost like you have to crack out of this this This, almost like you fall into this kind of I don't know like a, a state of thinking and, 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 and you feel you know you become part of this, this other system or this other structure that's how I feel when I'm in those and I have to really realize that there's other reality that I can insert right now and they have the power to also voice something different right now to shake it up you know Because a lot of what I feel, especially with care providers and nurses, is in this system of oppression, there's an expectation of how the oppressed responds. And when you don't respond that way, it's very fresh. They're not used to that often, you know? And sometimes it's just the way we're seeing it and how we're behaving and coming into it even um, without fear or just with, with just our eyes open, you know? But yeah, hard. the hospital staff had their eyes on me, but they were all really cool, and yeah. they were really trying. They they were Every time they'd say something that wasn't, like, 100% factual, they would just flicker to me and sort of, like, amend it, and they were really trying to be part of the conversation to, like, give her what she needed.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I guess you're right. Like, I don't know if, if it was because I was there that they let her push for more than two hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, right. and I mean pushing for two hours is not very long.
2: And, right. I mean
1: it really isn't. Um, it's pretty typical, I'd say. An hour and a half to two hours is pretty common for for moms. First time moms or for big babies, or you know, um, well, it was an induction, even. and she had no feeling by the by the yeah. last epidural, like she we were telling her what to do. Yeah. Great. So I mean, that seems within the range of normal to me. You know, that it would take it would take time, and it would be hard, hard work. Really, so, nice. you know, I think again all of that sort of the the way that you're made to feel like they allowed you this, or she got this, or they allowed her this because that's all based again on some kind of form of, of, of power and of control. I mean, that's, that is birth abuse. That is trauma. That is, you know, when a body is kind of being told how to behave instead of a woman really feeling like, wow, I'm totally supported to do what feels right for me right now. You know, we start making concessions so quickly. All of it. I mean, it's just part of it. You know? Because you want, you want it to be as the best it can be for her. Um, It's very hard You know And I would talk to her about that postpartum You know, if you feel like there's Sort of like You're feeling some of that Whether it's anger or disappointment Just to really, you know Bring her back to what her own experience was So she can Maybe learn from something about herself there You know what what did it feel like when you didn't know what to do? Or, you know, how could we have reached you during that moment? You know? That's the evidence-based question. Um, how long can a week go with perfect vitals and non-stress? How long you know, can, she it? can, can it a go? high leak? Like, how long could she be gone with a high leak after her office visit with Perfect fluid, and the baby looks great, and she looks great. I mean, I mean, it could have been days. It could have been. I know. she was she was in early labor. It hurt my soul. It was like, so early. Yeah. So you know, depending on the practitioner, anyone would say twenty four hours to to over a week depending on right. who you're talking to, you know. I mean, I remember being in a workshop with Ina May, and I think she wanted once- <laughs> a for one woman. Her membranes had ruptured, and they wanted her for three weeks. Uh, three weeks? Thinking, yeah. It was like they were taking her temperature and making sure she was hydrated, and like they were doing all the, you know, care. But that's, that was her answer. I remember someone asked her that question. You know, that's obviously not the norm, but... Um, it just depends on, I think, who who's picking, you know, who's, that, who's the care provider. Um, how that woman feels and how that woman
0: advocates for herself, too. But, um, and I think for
1: you, too, I mean, on the other side, like outside of, you know, the, the like, feeling like maybe you could have done more, kind of getting into that mindset. It's just to to recognize that you're you're learning at each time so much and that never ends. I mean, that's one of the most incredible aspects, I think, about being a doula is each birth, you learn something new no matter how many you've been to. It's such an alive experience, you know, that learning is such a big part of it um, and it's always so different. So, you know There are times that you leave a birth And feel What could I have done Or wow that woman really didn't show up In the way I thought she would You know Or oh my gosh she showed up in a way I never expected her to Or you know I want to see that I need a few of those right now Yeah 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 <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Who else wants to
1: share about either the video or advocacy, or maybe someone has a different different feeling about doula as advocate?
3: always been I've always been interested in
1: human rights Mm -hmm. and just looking at like looking at like birth as a human right Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the advocacy that goes along with that like it's such a like advocacy is always a positive thing in my in my mind like it's hard to to know that like there's negative connotations around that
2: Mm mm-hmm
1: yeah I have a question. How do you, how how does um, a mom advocate for herself once the doula isn't there? Like, after the baby is born and then, I think it, it can sometimes feel for the mom as if the hospital has control over the child. So how do they advocate for themselves when their doula is not there? And how do you,
2: Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, once
1: the baby comes, a lot of times there are things happening with the mom and the baby that the hospitals sort of take control over, and they don't—they make the mom so powerless. But then she's in a situation where she may be there by herself. Like the doula is now gone, the partner may be home, and she's there alone. Mm-hmm. And she feels bullied. Absolutely, okay, yeah. And the hospital works really quick. Yeah. Great question. So, a big, you know, thing that comes up for me in that question is the education um, about this topic in prenatal, Um, and really, I mean, really, just I feel like it's, it's so important to be real with couples and clients about what's happening in maternity care. And 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 the issues of human rights and childbirth, the issues of you know control of feeling manipulated that may come up for them. And it's really it it there is a fine line between not wanting you know in a prenatal, let's say, um, you know, and I think our next call is about actually prenatals. Um, so I have to look at our sheet, but you know you're 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 kind of making choices about what you're going to be covering, and depending on who that couple is or that woman is. you're kind of figuring out what's the best thing to cover right here. But I really make a point every time I really meet from beginning sessions on, even in an interview, to talk to them about how important it is to be an informed consumer and to advocate for themselves and that there is a patient's bill of rights. I will either include that in my prenatal packet or I'll ask them to make sure they read it. And I really talk to them about how essential it is for them to know that piece of maternity care right now in, in whatever choices they're making. And that often, you know, that, that often women don't feel like they have that right. And they feel uh, manipulated or they feel abused or bullied into making a different decisions. So it's sort of, you're covering that. Hopefully, months ahead, and really working with somebody to help them feel really confident about their choices, you know, along the way. And then that conversation only gets folded in in almost every conversation you're having because if it's a client that's calling you about the doctor who is telling her her baby's too big, but she this is her third baby and all of her babies were whatever, seven and a half pounds and she really knows that she carries big and it's not a big baby, whatever it is, right? whatever the scenario is, it's to help her find her voice regardless of what the circumstance is. And to really drive that point home too, that you are responsible for your baby and for your body and for your voice. And then I'm here to help you. I'm here to share information with you. I'm here to advocate alongside of you and, you know, share these tools with you. But ultimately, you birth the baby. You cross that bridge. And that's what's where the power is, where lies. It's within you. You know, I don't really do much to give you that in that way. I support that in you. And just making that distinction is huge. It's huge in the dynamic you have with her here, Just in a relationship of doula to mother. You know, otherwise they may be looking at you as the, that source of power or hoping that because they have a doula then it will mean they're gonna to have the to book that they want, rather than just really wanting their own experience, you know. And so that could be a doctor's visit, it could be during the labor and the birth, it could be postpartum, it could be at the six-week check, you know, it could be babies in the NICU and they need to figure out how they're going to advocate for their child, it could be around vaccines or circumcision or any of the many, many choices parents make after the birth, you know. an easy one for, like, hospital procedures, for like, question them. I'm always, like, you know, like, why why do you have to be wheeled into a hospital? Like, are you sick? Like, what, you know, I think that's an easy one to start with. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And having all of those conversations, you know? I mean, sometimes it's, like, the detailed things of, you know, just bringing your own robes from home and wearing your own clothes or, you know? Yeah, walking, walking in if you're feeling strong and healthy and powerful, you know, walking onto the floor, onto L&D instead of going in a wheelchair. Just even talking about those things, just plants different seeds that pregnancy isn't an illness, that you are capable, that you are doing this, that you are healthy, that you have the ability, you know, from the very, very beginning. you know, so much of what I think we're doing is just trying to unlearn all all of this. God, there's just so much piled up around information and over-management of over, you know, controlling the body in pregnancy to such a degree right now that it's, it's obscene, you know? And so... Having a perspective that's different can really make a big difference in the whole, the whole birth experience. When you come in as the doula and you're aware that this is a particular reality that's been set up in our culture to treat pregnant women a certain way, to treat a partner in a certain way, to treat a baby in a certain way, a lot of it is management of a person, right, a, a body, a host body, is how it can be seen, who doesn't have a voice. And so if you're in that experience, just relating to it in a different way can be a shift in and of itself. You really feel that way.
2: Yeah.
1: And not only in a different way, but in a positive way. I mean, I feel like that's the piece about the advocacy argument that, for me, is such a missed opportunity. Because it's not just, well, let's see it differently. It's let's see it with compassion. Let's humanize this experience. Let's bring in all of the knowledge that we have so that we can really shift the way we're all relating to each other right now. And even see, is that possible as human beings to bring in that much higher level of respect for humanity into this experience right now? I mean, that's what I love so much, you know, because I find a lot of people are open when they're being received in that openness. No matter how tough the exterior is or how prescribed the perspective seems, there's usually an opening somewhere to relate to somebody. That's the piece that I, I really enjoy.
2: You know, because
1: that's what it comes down to. You are relating to human beings. It doesn't matter if it's the anesthesiologist, the doctor, the nurse, the
0: mother, the partner, the baby, yourself, you know. Does I answer okay. your question? A bit
1: of more question about the video. Like, I I feel like through the training you've given us, like you know this this information. Like, I'm sure I have it, but in like a succinct way, the way that you asked um, Kathy about, you know, what are the two efficacy? Like, how is this something that we attain, you know, changing social order? Like, what's her prescribed, you know, a syllabus for this this call to action? I mean, where do we start? What do we do? This is insane. It's what I witnessed. Like, I would never want a birth like that. And from her perspective, it was great. You know, it, she didn't end up with a C-section. How is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that um, you know, I think that there are there are schools that we're trying, you know, that we're teaching with that are rooted in kind of this what we're calling we're so doula movement but or method. But it's it's just it's nonviolent communication and it's it's a deeper awareness of how you relate to human beings. That's really what we're talking about.
2: Totally. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and really being awake to that. I mean being with eyes open, every sense aware, you know, and having the ability to be aware of one's own experience and read the room as well be able to connect with each person, see the larger bird's eye view of what's happening, feel your own experience, be conscious in that and aware of, in that, bring information, research, your heart, your love, your compassion, a passion for humanity. You know, we know that, like, we know that people can be, can respond when someone's open in a space like that. And I'm not, Really, I'm not trying to spiritualize these tools. I'm really just speaking from my own experience. And I think that's probably why I feel so strongly about it, because it's not like it started out this way. I kept on trying to work within what I found was a really abusive system and to see, like, is it possible to try and shift this? And I'm finding that I really think it is. It doesn't mean that the abuse isn't around or happening or may happen. That's the other thing. The outcome may not be what you want, to be, and it may not be what your client wants it to be. But sh- I, you know, I do believe within those circumstances, the woman herself can experience informed choice
2: um, and
1: feel like, okay, I am here right now. Yes, I'm in an induction. No, I didn't want an epidural. This isn't what I thought would happen, but I am here right now, you know, and I'm supported right now, and I'm surrounded by people that care for me, and I feel respected right now. Those are the elements that I really do feel the doula can bring in. It may mean, I mean, one of the last births I was at recently, they did a small episiotomy. You know, the baby was almost 11 pounds, and it was a you know, in one of those moments where not what she wanted. And it was a midwife and it was a midwifery practice and, you know, everything was lined up to avoid something like that. And in the moment, she did consent and she felt okay about it and the baby needed to come out and that was the decision made in that moment. You know, and it became more about saying okay to birthing the baby and, being able to get the baby out than the episiotomy or feeling abused about episiotomy, traumatized by episiotomy. And in that moment, I made sure she felt like she took that time, even though there wasn't much time, to clearly understand what was happening, make a decision and give her a response that felt right for her. And, you know, and build out some space so that she didn't get steamrolled because it could have, she could have easily just cut it without her consent. You know, do you, Find, like, somebody looking at you and, like, you're going to know more. You're going to be able to, like, illuminate the situation. Like, I can imagine this mom just turning to you going, like, is this okay? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And so instead of answering for her, which, again, is, I think, the stereotype of how advocacy has been, like, labeled as a negative thing for doulas, I looked right back at her to say, so they want to do this episiotomy. The baby is in distress. You need to consent to this. This is what's happening right now. Like, do do you clearly understand?
2: You know. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, sometimes just mirroring back what is happening, not really inserting like all this other stuff, but just the mirror, like very transparent. So this is what's happening because she was under medication. She'd had a she had had a epidural. She had had stayed all hours before, so she was medicated. You know. I wanted to feel like she had some clarity and was able to answer in a way that showed us all she understood, and she did, and she felt okay about it after. She, you know, she really did, and she was grateful to have that moment just to say what she wanted, even though it's not what she wanted. So it's beyond the circumstance. It's the it's feeling like you have your voice. Wow! Thank you, because that's really illuminating. Like. I'm trying to think in my head, like how does this work? You know, how are we changing the world with this work? But like you always bring it home, like one mom at a time. It's it's a personal experience. You're communicating with one situation at a time. That's right. And that room, the nurse in charge was there because she was circling us like crazy at that point. There was a NICU pedi- pediatric doctor. There was two more nurses that had come and there were so many people in that moment. And so does the doula have power? Do we actually make a change? Do we advocate? Yes, we have a role. We have a very important voice and the other birth professionals and care providers get to witness us in that moment, not shying away, not, you know, doing all the stuff that's like actually we are a critic, we have a vital role in those moments. And it's positive What you're modeling back is not the doula that's fighting to say, well, I can't believe they're about to do this. I think we should just get to mom and Doyle and keep trying or whatever it is. You're modeling back respect, compassion, professionalism, communication, maturity. I mean, these are basic things. I mean, this is so important. These are like the things that we feel, we know are lacking so often in the medical industrial complex. Basic humanity (laughs) I'm not talking about anything really complex really that's what that's what like I'm banging my head against the wall all the time in these conversations because we're just talking about compassionate care we've lost that obviously we look at our statistics we look at our maternal mortality rates. we look at global maternal mortality we've lost basic you know valuing of of pregnancy and mothers and babies and ourselves So if we're trying to rebuild or, you know, you're talking about being a birth keeper or honoring the sacredness of birth, we just start with person to person. That's, That's,
0: for me, that is the movement. It's, you know, it's as important as anything else. (laughs) Yeah, there. <laughs> My phone
2: kind of
1: keeps cutting out. I missed the last part of that. Oh, sorry. It's okay.
0: So, anything else around this, or how to negotiate all this? I want to hear from you guys. because I don't, I'm talking, but I want to hear from you guys. And give everyone a chance to share. Kelly? Hi. I got Hi. cut out a couple of times. Oh,
2: that's okay. Um, I just want to make really sure everyone has
1: a chance to talk and share about the video or about anything I've shared tonight around birth trauma or advocacy or, you know, are you trying to negotiate that role? Are you afraid of of these kind of situations? Like, how do you feel about all of this?
3: I feel like it's going to be
1: really difficult for me personally to separate um, the emotional parts
3: from the advocacy
1: because
2: Mm
3: -hmm. a lot of it feels like just basic things that people should be entitled to. Like, you should be allowed to choose what happens to your body, like, seems so sick to me um and the fact mm-hmm. that it's completely thrown out the window a lot of the time is i i feel like it's going to be really a really big trigger for me to um not get i don't know kind of defensive about it almost
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the normal go-to emotion, right? Of course, you want to feel protective and, and, and that's natural, you know, to feel that way and, and you can. I mean, that's, I think that's the beauty of what, when, you know, when we're talking about humanity, you can feel that feeling and breathe into it or just kind of be with yourself in that moment and then think about how can I respond right now that would would bring and elevate that level of respect right now in the room. Because when you create that kind of alliance with people, they're more likely to listen to you and see you as, um, you know, uh, a member of a team. That's like, that does have an important role. Otherwise, you're already coming into the scenario with stereotypes stacked up against you as the doula. So you know that walking in. And it's not to like... Not be genuine and try and falsely charm anybody, but to just be aware that there's an opportunity to represent something different that will
0: help. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: because I mean, I can you know I can share that. I, I, you know, every nurse has a story about the defensive doula, or the doctor has a story about the defensive doula who thought on her client's behalf and, you know, only created more of a mess and that's why they don't like doulas, and, you know, on and on. But the doula who comes in with something different and can create that alliance and show and model that kind of compassionate care, that's who they remember, you know, they'll remember you. They'll want to work with you. And hopefully that will actually make, have a better outcome for the mother. I mean, that's the whole point. So, you know, you may just you may you may just want to sort of explore what that feels like in the moment. You know, to, if you're concerned about that to go into it and think like, "Okay, there's a good chance I'm going to be triggered right now, and that's fine. Just let yourself be." And then take the moment to decide how you want to proceed from there, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like the the alliance is going to be a really big important part of not um kind of running with the triggers and like letting that take over
2: yeah so I found it the,
1: really helpful okay no please the, go ahead no just when i was in that room at nyu like the nurse came in and she said oh are you the doula and then she wrote my name up on the board alongside like the doctor the attending and the nurse oh, like there cool. i was It was really validating of them Mm that they were baby friendly, you know, just to like say you're on the team. Totally. I love that.
2: Yeah.
1: So one really um, one small tool, and I'll and I'll talk about this in that next interview with Kathy, but is to just. Use the language of, even when you totally disagree with something that's being said, to use the language of being a team with the doctor and the nurse. That you can, you know, you could say that, okay,
2: so I know
1: we talked about side effects. You know, um, that, you know, we talked about side effects. We know that I know that you, you know, you have concerns about the medication. I know how how important it is for you to feel supported right now by your whole team and to feel like we're all on board with you feeling informed about your choices and really cared for right now. So what more, you know, what information do you need? What questions do you feel like you have to ask? These are all the things I love to say in front of doctors and nurses and anesthesiologists. These are like the group talks when they come in, if there has been some, you know, back and forth, and you can tell that the ball is in motion in terms of, like, more interventions or heading down a path of doing something or making decisions. In those moments when they come in, use your voice as the doula to bring together this concept of a team that's in service of her making informed choices. It's really harder to abuse somebody when you know you're being watched, and there's witnesses, and there's accountability. And I'm talking even to subtle abuse. It's harder to do that. You know? If you studied a, oppression or abuse or anything like that, it's, it's, it's more likely someone will abuse someone when they know, number one, the victim will speak up or they think people will let them get away with it. That's how bullies operate. So when you don't do that, in the simple ways, behave in a different way, it totally changes the whole thing you're not playing the game that someone was playing anymore. And now they're like, Wow, you're actually asking for accountability, but in a respectful way that's in service of support, not in service of more violence. That makes sense?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow.
1: Well, so I like to use that a lot and it's really effective. People will say, okay, so, oh, okay, what what do you need to say? Yes, we are, We, you know, yes, I'm here to support you, or whatever it is. Of course we're here to support you. That's why you hired your doctor, right? You had a choice, and you went with this person over that person.
0: So they feel more connected, too. You know, and then if a the trauma
1: has happened, if, you know, you're in a situation where, you know, that really has happened, and, and there's a good chance that will. Um, it's so important for that woman to have support and for you to be really um, more proactive in giving, making sure she gets that support. Um, so it may be, you know, more counseling with you. It may be, encouraging her to confront the doctor or midwife, um, but to really make sure she knows that there are networks out there for her to talk to. And there's so much, I mean, even in the last few years, it's incredible how many more networks have been formed around supporting women with birth trauma, you know, whether it's counselors or improving birth or, Uh, Birth Monopoly, I mean, there's organizations, you know, there's their birth bar association now where you can actually report birth abuses and it's illegal. Um, It's lawyers from around the country that have come together to have a hotline, actually, you can call and, you know, talk to somebody about what's happened to you. And that's associated with the Human Rights and Childbirth Organization. So, you know, they really there's, there's more access, I think, to support. And then there's campaigns. I mean, Break the Silence was last year's, including birth campaign where thousands of women were writing their birth abuses down on paper. I don't know if you saw them, but they were, you know, a short scenario, a story about what happens when they posted them all over social media, and it raised I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people it reached, but it was huge.
2: And yeah. they can
3: post those to our Facebook.
1: So that Break the Silence campaign, if you go to Improving Birth, I'm sure they have an album of it. Okay. Um, they 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 asked women to share their birth trauma story. And um, I'll see, I'll pop on right now. And um, then they, um, yeah, they just, they were running these campaigns and just really really powerful. I'm looking to see. Um, yeah, so this, it's the hashtag is Break the Silence. If you go to Improving for Facebook page, sure, they have it on their website, too. Um, there's an album of it.
2: And different women wrote, you know, all,
1: all just about their experience. So those are ways, too, to just you know, help your clients have some have, connect to something, so they don't feel alone in it. Because obviously, feeling isolated and and feeling shame is a huge experience.
2: That's uh, you know, what women feel. Um,
0: so hard not to feel like a counselor in
1: postpartum work. Mm-hmm. It's like, what qualifies me if I, you know, just to sit there
0: and bear witness that's all they usually want? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it's, I know we've talked about kind of the variations of
1: postpartum work and just being there to listen is a huge one. I, I can't remember when it was, but someone posted on our D.T.I. membership Facebook page about feeling like she wasn't doing enough because she was holding the baby and just kind of like, you know, uh, not and just listening to the mom. But, you know, it was like you comment after comment about how you know that's exactly what you should be doing as the first part of and how needed it is.
3: I had um with the the mom that just gave birth with me, when I did her first postpartum visit, her mom was there. Well, her mom and her dad was there and her mom ended up telling me like her birth story and how she felt cheated. It was and and
1: I was just like, wow. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And people will share those stories, you know, just
1: older women, you know, women who just had babies, I mean, they they're very open. A lot of people will be very open to just share, you know, what happened with them, and and sometimes it's just feeling like they just got bullied, like like you said, you know, just that we
2: don't don't listen to.
1: And I find often it's it's just the moms that are um, wanting a different experience that. You know, they they'll hire a doula for the second or third baby because they experienced birth trauma. I mean, I'm
0: scared. What did you say? Oh, that's one of those. And so, if you're working with a mom that's you
1: know already had previous trauma, make sure you talk about that in your prenatals for sure. It will come up in the second or third or fourth, whatever that's, you know, the birth is from there on. It will come out. And um, so make sure you cover that. Don't be afraid to ask about that, too, in prenatals as you're getting to know someone. I know I have it down as a question on my intake form. But to really, don't be afraid to to, to cover that as a topic, Um, whether it's sexual abuse or previous birth trauma. I really, I do love to know. And then connect it, and it's not because you're nosy, it's because it, it, it's, there's a direct connection to that and birth,
2: and that, you know, it
1: will help her and you better support her if you know that
0: if there's, any, if there's been anything that she's working through that happened to her before. Anyone else? Nikki, are you there? I see Connecticut, but I don't know if it's you.
3: It is me. It is me. I'm just on because uh, my daughter keeps running into the room. How are you? Uh, I've been good. It's just been a a, ba- a very bad balancing act trying to mm-hmm. do the work, and now my son's a little bit older, and he's still obviously just as needy. He's still, you know, he's only four and a half a month. Oh, and then my oh. daughter, she's still kind of in the regression stage of oh. toddlers I guess, seeing him. And she's like, well, if I cry, I get more attention. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: so
3: it's just enough to deal with that and trying to just sit down and read at night or during nap time or any time pretty much. So yeah, I mean, I'd, yeah, otherwise, I've been enjoying motherhood. It's just trying to have the other parts of myself going.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just so full on when they're, when they're babies.
1: I'm sorry? It's so full on.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even now, as I sit here, my son's trying to crawl up my stomach. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) He's like, I want to be a part of the
1: conversation.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Well,
3: feel free to reach out to me. I don't
1: mind talking to you while they're crying children or babies nursing in the background or whatever it is. You know, if you need more support or you want to just um, figure out, you know, if there's requirements that you're feeling you need support completing or anything like that. Definitely.
2: Um,
1: uh, that brings. Up, I just. Um, I'm reminded. Um, Ursula wrote to me about um, setting up mentorship calls, and I just wanted to cover that requirement with you guys so you have a clear understanding. Um, so I think in the certification manual it says monthly mentorship calls, and we'll be found over time. Some people will call me every month, or be write to me, and there's questions, and you know we kind of cover things more regularly. And other people don't. Um, I think having the the membership Facebook page has been really great for our doulas because they're just sometimes they'll just pop on there and ask a question and get quick responses from me, other, Gina, or other doulas.
3: Um, I think, yeah, that's great, actually. I've asked several questions on the DCI Facebook page, and, like, people just respond so fast, and it's like, like, great responses that really help at that moment that you needed.
1: Wonderful. That's great to hear. Yeah, I feel like it's been really active and really a great support for people. So um, that said, though, you know, you feel free to call me. I mean, it can be a small thing. We can jump on the phone for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, um, or we can schedule a a longer call if there's something more going on. But what I find is if you wait towards the end of the program with your questions or like you're not getting certain things completed fast enough and you're feeling overwhelmed. If we have the conversation sooner, you have a higher, you know, much greater chance of them finishing things too. So, um, suppose, you know, just you have access to me. I really want you to know that. And, um, and, you know, I would love to talk to everyone once a month and miss that with that right? But it just, it's naturally, it doesn't, it just doesn't seem people need us as much. And it just comes in kind of more spurts. Um, so, um, that's kind of how it goes. I mean, and for me, it's mainly, you know, I want to feel like you guys are actively involved. and mean, in terms of the certification requirement,
2: that things are going well
1: for you, that I'm seeing that you're involved, that you're posting, that you're writing about it, that you're reaching out to each other, that, you know, you're out there. That's it. I mean, I want I want to be able to support you in that, you know. And if you're not, or you're not sure if this work is right for you or if the program is working for you, please know that's equally as important to me, too.
0: You know, and I'm happy to talk to you about that, too. So, I did have a question about the birth requirement. Like, since I am focusing more on post-work
1: and, like, I'm seeking out the births to get my certification, like, I've had the two vaginal births now, and I know, like, that was the ideal. So is it two to three or is it three? For the vaginal
2: births.
1: Yeah, or just for for the birth requirements. So, like, I need to see three birth clients. Exactly. So three total... And one can be a cesarean, although I think we, we had a conversation recently about um, thinking about changing that depending on the circumstance. But I really don't want, it's really just making sure you guys have access to the, the birth experience, you know. Um, so it's, it may be case by case for some people if they've had two cesareans or non, you know, no vaginal birth. But yeah, ideally two vaginal births that you're you know, really been part of the labor and the birth and the postpartum and a cesarean.
2: Okay, I know. Yeah.
1: and then for some people if, if they've had two cesareans or they're not sure just call me you know so we can talk about what happened because again every birth is different some cesareans may have been days and days of labor hours and hours pushing and then she has a cesarean and others will be scheduled with no labor so it really depends on what happened. okay yeah and um I'm coming back in May for another training, so um, I, I think I posted some things that I'll start sharing more. And if you guys know anyone interested, um, that'd be great. You know, we'd love we um, for that to be shared too. And then also, I'd love to have some kind of get together for. Do live in the New York area? One of the nights that I'm down, so I'll start kind of. I've started to kind of think about planning something um for us so we could all get together and see each other and just kind of have a nice evening. One of the I could host something. Oh great. Yeah, definitely. My apart my apartment is open. Thank you. Yeah. So I'll keep you guys posted about it. I had someone else offered their place too and um and a, I'm not sure if Tara's going to come down. If she does, then we might rent some kind of Airbnb in Brooklyn or something and maybe be able to host something, or maybe we would just meet. I think we would like to meet somewhere in a house so we can kind of have more of like an evening instead of just meeting up at a restaurant or a bar or something, where we can talk more. But, um, but I'll let you guys know. It will be somewhere in the last week of May. because The training, I think, is the 27th to the 31st
2: is that
3: Memorial Day
1: no Memorial yeah. Weekend is the weekend before,
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh, the awesome. weekend before. Yeah. yeah
0: any other questions anything else anyone wants to share
1: I'm really excited I finished my CV i like to evaluate oh good yeah, it was huge. I, I've been using it ugh, every day. I'm so happy.
2: Evening. You finished? What's
3: that? I didn't hear what you said. You finished your what? Um,
1: certified breastfeeding counselor, like CLC and CBC are kind of the same thing. Oh.
3: Yay, congratulations. Sim. congrats. Congratulations.
2: congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
1: I'm so glad. That's something you wanted to do in the training. You were talking about that. Yeah. And before. That's awesome. Yeah. And
3: did you teach your
1: class?
2: I'm
3: working on co-teaching childbirth
2: ed. yeah, at Care
3: child system.
1: Okay. So you haven't done it yet or you started doing it? Yeah, yeah. I've I've been in the classes for some months. And last oh, session good. I taught postpartum. So this, this coming weekend I'm going to be co-teaching with her like sitting up there. Awesome. Yeah. Great.
2: Cool.
1: All right, you guys. Well um I will um I will be in touch online and, and feel free to reach out to me anytime. Thank you.
2: Okay. Thank Thanks you. Your voice,
1: so I miss you guys.
2: I miss so. you too.
3: Mm -hmm. And welcome back.
2: Thank you. Thank you. That was a great trip. Mm. All right,
1: guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Good night. Good night. Good
0: night. Good night. plus.